Welcome to Unraveling Midlife. I'm your host, Sarah Spence. Thanks for joining me as I speak with all sorts of inspiring people about their life and work, and how events in their astrological midlife help to get them where they are today, with some original music added in at the end. If you're new to the show, welcome. You can follow me on social media as Sarah Marlowe Spence, on Facebook, Instagram and YouTube. And I encourage you to subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already, and to share it with someone you think might enjoy it. Astrological midlife relates to Western astrology transits that run from the mid-30s to the mid-40s for every human. Each of the four main midlife transits have an overall theme, though details do vary by generation and by individual. I'm right in the middle of these four main midlife transits, learning lots along the way, especially from my guests on the show. Check out episode 9 for a deep dive into these astrological transits. This episode, 15, drops on the day of the new moon in Taurus that also happens to be a solar eclipse. Eclipses happen every six months, usually in pairs, occasionally triples. Astrologically, eclipses have more of a power punch and an ongoing effect for some months. Also today, we happen to have Neptune, Jupiter and Venus, conjunct, that is close together, in the sign of Pisces, with all of these planets completely at home in this sign. Mars is also in Pisces, and a few days ago, so was the Moon. That's a lot of Pisces. The influence of letting go, compassion, also grief, and music, all of which relate to today's show. My guest today is Christiane Trimmel. Her midlife journey, as you'll hear, involves the beauty and pain of learning experientially through grief, and then connecting with whenua, land, and family. Christiane is an empowerment coach who draws on her rich experience, providing reflective narrative on connection and tikanga, as you'll hear. Christiane lived in Aotearoa, New Zealand for 15 years before returning to her native Austria, where she is currently experimenting with living there as an adult. We met through the festival that she organised and have a common love of kirtan, joyful chanting. We were also both gifted Sanskrit names that begin with the word prem, which means unconditional love. Here is our insightful and reflective conversation. Christiane, welcome to Unraveling Midlife. It's great to have you here. Kia Sarah. Thank you for the invitation. <laughs> um, so you have an interesting story to tell about your midlife, but before we get into that, um, tell me, well, tell the listeners, I know a little bit about you. Um, how do you identify yourself? We were having quite an interesting little discussion before we started hitting record about identity and identifying as a yoga teacher. Can you tell us a bit more about that? Yeah, um, good point. Uh, so interesting, we did talk about that a little bit. It used to be so much easier for me when I was able to just say, oh, I teach yoga. And I've always done it with great passion. And I was reaching people. They were touched by, I, I enjoyed it. So I was thriving. I was traveling the world. I was going 
working in New Zealand at festivals, organizing festivals, doing similar things back in Austria. One thing that I noticed that I couldn't quite relate to was like depression or burnout. I could never really understand why people are depressed or how could you be depressed because life is so good and I was so happy and so full of energy. Um, I was doing trainings in Ayurveda, in different styles of yoga, embodied flow, and, and I loved all of that. And I feel the last five years, something had changed. I actually discovered um, how it feels to, to have depression or burnout. So I went through a difficult phase in my life, uh, which now I do look back towards that. And uh, I feel I'm now able to share from a different place where I can actually help people and I can relate to it. I know how it is to be in a difficult situation and going through challenges and actually find your way back home to yourself. Now I'm back in Austria. I All these things do come together. So now I, I, I go through these transitions also with um, the world. We're all like changing so much. The best word I do have is burn. My heart is burning for empowerment. So how do I, how can I support other people in getting to a place where they feel empowered? And that's my own journey from feeling powerless to towards empowerment and standing in my truth, standing in my strength, living my passions. That's where freedom lives. Yeah. To sum it up, could be like empowerment coach uh, working with people um, to guide them through challenges in life and show them by leading with example there is there is a way through it and you're going to shine I know that you're kind of in the first you're probably about a third of the way through the astrological midlife transits that I often talk with guests about and that that first part, for, I know for me and my experience was that first part, the Pluto square was was quite challenging and you're coming towards the end of that and partway into your Neptune square. So the midlife transits have kind of come at that same time of a lot of uh, pressure and a lot of change in your life, it sounds like, with with the depression and the burnout and I can totally relate and I'm I, Trust me, I'm sure a lot of, or most, (laughs) if not all of the listeners, um, can relate to that too. Uh, What what was your story? What has your journey been like in in the last while? Hmm. Uh, To start with that, like I'm now 39. (laughs) And it's interesting because about maybe a year ago or half a year ago, I saw that you're doing a podcast and it, it is called Midlife Unraveling. I saw it, but I didn't really, it didn't really sink in. I kind of like, oh, that's not me. <laughs> I was like, that doesn't affect me or like, I didn't really see it. A lot and of people was, think midlife's about menopause, but astrological midlife is usually well before that. <laughs> I, I couldn't relate to it. I was like, midlife, but that's not me. I didn't really see it. I didn't even look into it because, yeah. <laughs> and then I was talking, to some of my friends who are the same age and I was sharing with my good friend from New Zealand I said you know 
what's what's going on? Like I had such a I had so much energy, so much passion. I traveled the world. I was so positive. Um, and then life changed. Like it feels like there was a before and after. And the before was uh, like very um, energetic, uh, young, like the maiden. <laughs> if it, it compares to that, like being um, yeah a young girl. And then I entered a relationship. I got married. I had a family. It was quite a stable uh, setting, a house. And through that, that was at the age of 35, I got together with my um, husband, who now who has passed away um, a year ago. And this time was quite challenging because um, it was... I'm still unpacking it. It was beautiful, but also very difficult because he had a heart um, uh, disease or heart um, heart condition. And so I took a lot of responsibility on for him and living, uh, knowing that, you know, we, we only have a short amount of time. So through that time, it was quite challenging. I, I did experience depression. I did experience burnout because I was looking after the family. But, um, yeah, and I I couldn't really find my way back to my strengths. And then I thought, and I explained to my friend, and, um, and she said, oh, she has similar things. She had such energy before, and now it's not – she feels burned out. She feels tired. And she said, oh, you know, it's, it's midlife. And then I was like, hmm, interesting. So I do think, uh, yeah, something is changing and I could relate to that. And then I started listening to your podcast and I thought, oh, it's not that bad. It just means that um, new priorities and it feels like now I have lived a little bit of life. I got more life experience because, well, I, I had a relationship. I was married. I had a, I was a mom for four or five years. I had a girl who calls me mom. Um, and that's not there anymore, but what's next? And how do I, um, yeah, how, how do I move forward? And it's a time where you, we can really be uh, taking time to, to clear how do we want to move forward to, to heal, to heal our wounds that actually got us into depression and burnout because it wasn't his fault. It wasn't, it's, um, yeah, it's healing process. I, I feel the healing process actually starts at, at that age where we actually have the courage and the strength to look into childhood patterns that kept us in a certain way that led us towards burnout, depression. So for me, in the last year or not last nine months here in Austria in, on my Finwa have been very healing and um, I'm very appreciative of everything that happened before. So, yeah. And you talk about Austria being your Finwa. Um, can, can you tell some listeners that might not be familiar with Te Reo Māori a little bit about that mm -hmm. and, and personally what your connection is with it? Yes, so I'm from Austria and I moved to New Zealand maybe in 2006 and then I stayed in Austria for a little bit but New Zealand was my home for most of my adult life. So then 
nine months ago, I moved. I wanted to go on a holiday to Austria for three months. <laughs> After the three months, it didn't feel right for me to move back to New Zealand because I realized I actually haven't lived here as an adult person. And there was so much that I was now able to, to heal. And I have been through a lot. And I really needed that nurture from, from my Fenua, from my the earth, my river, my awa, my mountains. And that's because my husband, he was, uh, he was Maori. And we lived by Tikanga, which is the... I only know it in German, but you think on it how, like rituals and how things have to be, uh, certain rules around. And sometimes it's so, translated as customs, customs or, or yeah. culture, or sometimes law. Like it's not really mm. an easy word to translate into English, is my understanding. That's correct. <laughs> I remember when I met my husband, he was talking about tikanga and law and customs, and I was always rebelling against it. I thought, how stupid is that? Like all those rules and stuff. But then once you live by it, it makes sense to live in a certain way of like the karakia was an important part in our life throughout the day, the karakia, the prayer, um, to give thanks, to know where you're from. And that's something I did not know. I didn't know. Like Maori, they can date back their whakapapa to like right back, back, <laughs> way back. In Austria, I, I don't know my roots, my whakapapa. I don't know the names of my great-grandparents. I can date it back to maybe the second generation back, but not further. Mm. So learning from what I've, what I've learned in Aotearoa, living there, I'm now incorporating that in my life here connecting to my roots through my whakapapa, which is so important. I started learning. I came back with the intention to learn the, the karakia, the prayers of my grandmother, because I think I'm very lucky at the age of close to 40, I still have my grandmother, who is almost 90, and we actually sit and I can ask her, hey, Nana, what do you, which kind of prayer do you pray in this situation? And we pray together. We pray the rosary. We pray all sorts of prayers that she has learned from her. She's been passed on those prayers from her grandmother and from her ancestors, which is beautiful. So coming back home to Austria, I, what I've learned in Aotearoa, I'm incorporating here and it brings me so much Healing, really. Mm. What a gift to be able to sit with your grandmother. I, I know that in the last couple of years, I've thought often of my grandmother who passed away, I don't know, 14 years ago, and thought, gosh, it would be so interesting if I could ask her what it was like during World War II, for example, because we live in unprecedented times um, for, the, for the Western world for our generation and wouldn't wouldn't it be interesting to kind of have that perspective so that's so great that you're able to have that time so you had that that must be contributing to your healing in a lot of way along with some of the other um, things that you're doing how has your healing what has that consisted of (laughs) The healing, I think it's 
I do think about that a lot, uh, what healing means. And for me, it's bringing awareness to, to like to your wounds or to, and allowing things to be coming into acceptance. So healing has happened on a lot of levels. For example, within my family, within my immediate family, where um, some wounds have happened. Um, and being able to, to do that is, is amazing because it frees you up. So you're not stuck in your own story of, um, like, I'm an empath. I feel a lot and I've always felt a lot. And I do know that a lot of empaths feel a lot. Our biggest fear is rejection. Because we feel we, we are different. We're not quite like others. And we feel the rejection. So what we're seeking is always approval. And as a young child, yes, you know, I was um, adventurous and um, very open. And so then you start changing that because it sometimes gets you into trouble being so adventurous. I remember one, one day I... I think I was five, and I saw the people from the kindergarten walking past our house, and I just went with them. And I went on an excursion. So my mom, she was heavily pregnant at that time, and she was freaking out because I, she lost her child. I wasn't there. And when the kindergarten, maybe a few hours later, called her, she was so angry with me. And she, <laughs> I was really afraid of her because she was just screaming. And she locked me into my room and she said, you better, you wait for your dad to come home. He will punish you. And I was sitting there in my room being afraid and actually fearing for my life because I thought my dad, I don't know what he would do with me. And I was so scared. And when he came home, he was just laughing at me and like hugging me and saying, hey, come on, let's play. He didn't even, you know, buy into that. But what I'm saying, what what I want to show about the healing that throughout my life, I had the pattern of being super anxious if I didn't know, didn't know what was coming. And I was always found myself in a situation where I was waiting for an authority, you know, my boss or immigration New Zealand, or it was a big topic. I'm always waiting for something, an external force to really to punish me. <laughs> and this really kind of controlled my life because I lived my life by that in a way that I was afraid of authority. I would have, um, I was panicking really easily. I was triggered really easily. And I, I, yeah, sometimes a bit dramatic <laughs> or traumatic. And the healing that happened was, for me, when I came back home, first I didn't want to stay here, but I realized after three months, the healing is still ongoing and I do need to connect to my land more, to my roots, to my family, to my fano, which is so important. And we had talks about it. Like even my, my sister, she is a, a mediator and we sat down with my family and to say how we felt in certain situations and slowly things started shifting by also me not seeking their approval but kind of 
being grounded within myself, feeling I don't need approval. I, I wasn't afraid of anyone rejecting me. I was saying my truth. And things started to heal and to shift. And slowly the healing happened, which is so beautiful. Not being bound by those limitations anymore, that's, that's freedom. And that's so, so amazing. Because I, I thought about it just a few months ago that with everything that's going on right now in the world, especially being in Europe, being so close to Ukraine, it's like 500 kilometers away, not far. I'm not afraid. I'm not, I'm not in this anxiety that I used to be. I don't panic. I have my, the things that I do, you know, prayers or I'm out in nature, but I actually enjoy life because life is nothing is for granted anyway so I enjoy the moment yeah learning presence I think that's been yeah definitely a lesson for for me in in these times more time inward and less time out in big groups definitely being present with self it's been a big theme of the last couple of years Mm. so tell me about your coaching you work with people using the tools that you've gathered along the way yes uh, pretty much um i mostly people come to me with a similar background <laughs> of course you draw people towards you who have experienced similar things or who are like when i work with a coach when i get my own coaching i orient myself towards people where they are where I want to be, like people who are successful in their business. So I've noticed a lot of people who are empaths, we tend to stay sometimes in a bit of a victim mentality and life is happening to us, all the bad stuff, like life is happening to us. And I I know that because I was stuck in that pattern for quite some time. And there's a moment when you shift your perspective towards empowerment, when you actually feel that life is happening for you. And that's where I help support people and I work with coaching to with individual people. So I've gone from teaching yoga to like, or doing my programs to more people to working with individuals because I really want to... Um, also use my energy wisely too (laughs) and that's something interesting when when you're teaching yoga sometimes I felt um, yeah I want to how do you say this Um, I want to work with people who really want to get out of the victim mode who really want to make the steps towards self-empowerment um, and a lot of people, not not everyone wants to, you know, it's sometimes easier to just stay where you are and say, this is happening to me, like attention seeking and people are coming to help you. Uh, not everyone makes that step and that's okay, you know, maybe in, in another life or, um, but now I want to use my energy wise as well. So I, I can help people who really are ready for that step and we can uh, work together. And I usually incorporate things that have worked for me like I relate a lot to the, the Maori health system which is the Fare Tapafa the four corner steps of health um, Wairua which is the spiritual side um, working on the body um, the, the, the thoughts and, and the 
the heart, the emotion. So that's that's so important. And, and the family funnel. Um, that sometimes when we talk about body, mind, spirit, we forget the funnel, the family aspect. And that for me was quite a game changer to come back home and to heal the wounds from funnel and to to change my perspective around it because it was not anyone's fault and yeah can you talk a little bit more about about whānau in in that respect I mean everyone has such a different family I have a very 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 small family Um, so it does fascinate me because everyone's I guess, and I've done a little bit of family constellation work, so that's like another view, again, of family. And how did how did that go? I mean, I guess I have a great relationship with my family um, in general, and not to talk about me, but I know that uh, too much. (laughs) I know that (laughs) some people are, um, especially empaths, maybe don't necessarily talk a lot about their feelings. And I guess I'm I'm drawing on that time that I had adrenal fatigue and I wasn't really talking about my feelings or feeling my feelings. And it was kind of family related when my stepmother was really sick, that kind of thing. So how did you go about speaking? Because a lot of people are like, oh that's my family. I can't I can't tell them how I feel because they're just so different. They don't understand me. How do you start? What what was your experience? <laughs> uh, I think I spend a lot of time in nature. I spend a lot of time um, with less people around me, so I could really um, see what what's happening inside. And I was very trying to be very aware of what's actually happening. Um, and I did have support too, like the, the right people come into your life as well. You do have to do, like I would always recommend to do work with someone who is specialized, like a, not, like a therapist or constellation work um, to really, um, we always, we, we don't always see the trees, or how do you call it, the trees in the forest, uh, the obvious. So interesting enough, I had a, I have a my, my sister, Katrin, she is um She's actually trained in mediation and she's specializing in empaths or hypersensitive people because certain um, the intensity of, of feelings they can be quite um, different sometimes. So she actually was doing a session with me and my my dad to to facilitate that to actually let let me speak and then without interacting and then I heard him without interfering there and that actually helps if we're not engaging in the drama of like oh you said this you said that but actually let it stand on its own and then you reflect for yourself as well so sometimes it's really good to just get it out and not and also communicate that you know it's not it's not a discussion it's rather than I hear you out and you hear me out that's what what happened and I, I think that family hour is such a important factor of how we perceive our reality as an adult, like what we perceive as normal or how the relationships of our parents is, is really how what shapes us. And it's time for us to, at some point in our lives, to actually look into that and, and heal 
parts. Mm. And maybe that's the gift of this time, of this midlife, astrological midlife, is to kind of like it shakes us up, it makes us look at ourselves. For many of us, I mean, some people don't, and then they kind of have total crises. So at least we're <laughs> having a look, figuring it out along the way. But yeah, it's definitely been, a, um, for me, a, an amazing opportunity to get to know my parents as individuals and as friends. Hmm. And I've I've used um, the Dalian method quite a bit along that way too. So as you're talking, I'm like, oh, yeah, I've done a bit of family constellation, but actually mm. that particular practice that I've been doing is probably, as we talk, I get my realizations of, of that, that facilitated a lot of understanding as well. And of course, it all keeps, the learnings keep going and going mm. because this is life and this is us. <laughs> and so when you said that um, the people that come to work with you, they, they often have a similar background, do you mean in terms of empath or in terms of losing someone close to them or maybe either or or a combination? That's interesting too because I don't want to be the, the grief expert, <laughs> um, but I have had my experience with, with going through grief of losing a loved one, which is my husband, and I think that the topic grief is quite a, a raw and authentic one. You can't really hide it. And a lot of people have connected with me who have lost someone and they, they share their story. And then I give them another perspective on, on life, how I experienced it. And I, I share a bit more about that. Um, I feel very blessed that I went through, that I was able to support my, my husband on his journey, on his transition. And the, while it was painful, it was equally beautiful and something that I think about a lot. It's very precious. Grief has so many gifts in itself, which is amazing. It's an emotion that you can get stuck into it, like you can actually stay there for a long time, but you have to make a conscious act to actually to come back to life. Because my husband and I, we had time to prepare for his passing. We knew on that day it would be his last. And we we knew the weeks before it's coming to an end. And we actually lived by that the last years because he had sometimes he had a heart attack and uh, they gave him two more weeks. That was two years ago. And I prayed for a year and we had to. So it was... We talked about death. I asked questions. Um, he explained. I shared my view. And we lived with it in a way that we didn't take things for granted. We enjoyed a coffee together. We sometimes went out for a drink. He loved to sing. He loved doing his music. And he was so inspiring in so many ways that he never gave up. Like, he just did not give up. And that's inspiring. Like. Two weeks before his passing, I remember I wanted I asked him what I could give. We had like plates and cutlery for about 100 people at home. And I said, hey, can I, you know, not throw it out, but pass it on to someone? And he said, no, I haven't given up on that retreat yet. So he was still thing, And <laughs> he was still, yeah. I learned a lot from him and I'm still, as I said, unpacking. Um, and because we lived our life being so close to death sometimes, it was a, it was beautiful. 
Yeah. It was also exhausting as well because throughout that time, because his health was usually, you know, not more important, but it was more in the more present. I kind of didn't look after myself so well. I exhausted myself. I burned myself out, but it wasn't his fault. Um, it's just how it happened. And yeah, that's the learning. Many carers get into that hmm. that situation. I, I I I watched my dad do the same thing as he hmm. was in that similar position with my stepmother. Hmm. It's interesting. Um, like when after he passed away, like it's an interesting one because you you think it gets less over time, but actually you actually you grow with grief. You it can be you can tap into it really quickly. Like on his. On certain dates, I, I I am allowing myself to actually feel it, and I, I listen to music and I dive into it, and I feel appreciation. Sometimes I feel like so many emotions. It can be like anger, and you get really anger, angry, and you could you get stuck in that story. But forgiveness is a good cue to and acceptance. Yeah, and then it, it shifts again. So it's it's really really a, a very tender process that I. I don't want to miss because I feel it actually has brought me closer to to living life with more presence and more more peace. Yeah, it's great that that there's someone like you. I, I imagine that because I haven't lost anyone that close mm. to me, all I can do is is read about it really, or or listen to people talking. And and I have done a, a, quite a bit of that to try and understand what my dad was going through. And it's great that you're there for some of those people who need support and it's easier to have someone that they can relate to who knows what it's like. So that's great that you're there to be able to offer that space. Mm. But it does keep going. Like it's a, it's like a dance, it, it seems. The, the dance with with grief because it's never gone and yeah they say it grows with you <laughs> mm. yeah. yeah and I've, I've noticed a year ago I was at a um doing a yoga training restorative training at, at, with Swami Karma Karuna who you also know who's and also been was... on this podcast actually episode yeah. <laughs> three I believe <laughs> And we're in a group of people and someone also has lost a person. And I've noticed like people do want to talk about it and to give grief space. Um, but if someone hasn't experienced grief, they, they they might be afraid of it because it's not something that you do really want to touch that topic because it doesn't affect you. But once it does, it changes. So there's a bit of fear around it on both sides and I remember sometimes when when I mentioned you know people ask me so are you are you married or you know, what's your status and then I do mention well my husband passed away and people are shocked or they, they they feel very apologetic like oh sorry I didn't want to you know disturb you but I'm not disturbed by that I'm actually it, it's okay to talk about it and it's it's not something that I, I want to hide but it's I, I noticed that people get quite uncomfortable with it and I'm wondering like I have my own, not conclusions, but yes, I understand it's not um, something that you 
they might sometimes they are afraid that I, I burst into tears and they can't hold that that energy or I don't know what what they but I think it's just they can't relate to it and I've noticed um that I made a few connections with with people like a friend here a mom she has lost her her boy when he was maybe 20 25 years just a few years ago and I asked her questions like oh how was it for you like what did you do in the in the ambulance how what a, like I asked questions that no one else would have asked but for me it wasn't a taboo because I've been there you know I was holding my husband's hand and I I know how it feels to to to, to touch a body when the when he's kind of gone um and I, I I know that I was trained by hospice nurses to to do certain things uh to relieve the pain so it's I'm not shy about it and I've noticed that a lot of people do want to talk about it and it's it feels like kind of like for me it's, it was normal to talk about death or grief and yeah and to it was an important time of my life actually yeah it's definitely a, a journey because mm. I you know I remember when you're a teenager if no one close to you's passed away it's completely and utterly foreign it's it's a whole different journey mm. and it doesn't really get talked about so I, I do kind of wonder who's listening and what their process is as they listen to your story and there's a little bit of reflection on my part and what gifts that brings them in this kind of process I have of one reflecting. important one gift that just came to me which I find is very interesting in, in, in way of timing so while I was going through that one and a half years ago like through hospice and kind of supporting my husband while he was passing away my family back home my sister and my mom were doing the same thing with my grandmother my mom's oh. mom so that was interesting to actually check in with them, like, how are you? How are you sleeping? Is she okay? Is, you know, asking those questions. So in that way, I wasn't alone. And I wasn't alone with the emotions afterwards. Because sometimes when we lose someone, you know, there are regrets of, I wish I would have been there or I would have said that. Um, and for me and my husband, because I was able to, we were able to prepare, there was nothing was unspoken. You know, we actually acknowledged. Hey, it wasn't easy with us always, but you know, I'm thankful for for having you here, and I I love you. It was so important. So, no matter what we were going through, that was just we were at peace with each other. Even though you know, I I do hold some anger sometimes, or like things do come up, but no, it was love remains. So, then because of that um, experience going through that. I actually thought about the regret side and I was like, hey, I've been living away from home for such a long time. I've been away from Austria. If something would happen to me, I wouldn't want my family to think, oh, but she was going, she was having such a hard time and she was not home. I haven't seen her. And I started a conversation with my sister and I said to her, hey, Katrin, you know what? I just want you to know that if something happens, you know, you need to know that I was living the best life and I made my choices. I, I always wanted to live in New Zealand and I always wanted to marry this man and I always wanted to work with horses. I found the choices and I'm so happy that I'm actually doing that. And I said, if the time comes, you know, and I'm not 39, 
So we don't talk about it because death is not in our field. But I said to her, Catherine, please know that. And she said, oh, you know, I was actually, she was contemplating over the same things because she had just experienced death with my grandmother and she was there. So she, of course, asked similar questions. Yeah. And another friend, uh, she was also going through a similar phase and for similar things than, that I was. And I was sharing with her how um, I, I wouldn't want anyone to have regrets. And she told me that she started to write letters for her family members in case something would happen to her. So she not a goodbye letter, but it's a letter saying, you know, I've lived a good life and I want you to be free and like there are no regrets. And I actually shared that story with someone recently when I was in Medjugorje, which is a, a pilgrimage. She has lost her husband. So I shared that story with her and she said, wow, I didn't think of that because she lost her husband unexpectedly like he had a sudden heart attack and he was gone and she's it's now five years and she's still in the grief phase and she said oh if I die I wouldn't I would I want it to be quick as well and but you know she was talking about the regrets and I said I shared with her that I have a friend who started writing like letters and I'm gonna do this for myself too just needed some time but I'll, I'll do it and it's very relieving to to write to do that because if, if anything happens they you know you can share what you have to share for, for me it was important to know and it is important that um that i I've, I've made choices in my life and i'm happy with that and if something does happen because our time here is short anyway for, for all of us, you know, it's not 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 long compared to eternity. Um, so, it's, yeah, I lived my life in a good way, and whatever comes will come. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> mm. And that, that is something that does happen. You lose someone, whether it's someone incredibly close or or someone that I know the age. I don't know if it's happening to you, but you know, there's friends that are starting to pass away from getting ill and and passing away um it kind of makes you kind of sit up and Mm. uh kind of hang on what am I doing with my life am I living it to the fullest I mean that's what astrological midlife is is about especially once you get to um the Uranus opposition which you've got a a a couple few more years and mine's coming on in a few months time (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's like, hey, the universe says if you haven't kind of aligned with your soul purpose now, now's the time to do it. So, yeah, that losing someone really does get you questioning what what life's all about. Mm-hmm. And are you still singing? You said that um, music was mm-hmm. really important to your husband, but I also know that you were singing too. Were yeah, you singing together? I am and still, are you still singing. singing. You are. Great. I have my guitar, my beautiful Fender here. Um, my sister's guitar and I do sing my, my own little songs and I record it and I will be doing more of that soon because now it's spring and I found a really beautiful church where I can sing and I, I yeah it's it's different times now like it feels winter has come to an end and winter was really introspection there were also lockdowns so it, it worked <laughs> really well mm-hmm. now it's springtime here in Austria and people do want to go out again and also I do want to go out and share music and share my work 
in a in a way that that's very healing often for other people too so yeah I still do that great mm -hmm. exciting and, and mm -hmm. if people want to contact you how do they find you christianatrimmel.com Oh, that's great. Thank you so much for sharing your journey. And it sounds like even though you're, what, a third of the way maybe through midlife, so much has happened and given you the gifts of much reflection so far. Thank you, Sarah. All the best with your empowerment and helping of others along your midlife journey. Thanks, Christiane. Thank you. Kakite. I've been songwriting recently as a great outlet for emotion, channeling the letting go of the Pisces as it's been arising in my life. But that's not what I'm sharing here, though you can find some of that on my YouTube channel. As today is the solar eclipse in Taurus, a sign ruled by Venus, I'm sharing a song I wrote for my astrology course a couple of years ago during my Pluto square transit. The assignment was to present about Venus and our relationship with her. Here's a live recording from the Astrology Classroom. <laughs> Venus is beauty, she's relationship, she's love. Ruling Taurus and Libra, she's the evening and the morning star above, depending. Venus beams out for the feminine, the heart. She's my relationship with my personal world Sitting at the top of my chart Venus is the goddess of love and practical Capricorn In the adventure of the ninth house Not in strength, weakness, detrimental fall
it's structured, there's verses, there's a chorus, and there's this chord, it's A9 shape, and it's beautiful, it reminds me of Spring and Pierre Gint and Venus. But I also capoed, and I put it in the key of the other astrology related course I've done, this is the key of Venus. Travelling Midlife is brought to you from Aotearoa, New Zealand by www.sarahmarlowspence.com Theme music is by Sarah Marlow Spence and Saraspati Marie Willis and art by Samantha Hepburn.